If you have your Bible, turn with me to Revelation chapter 17. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. But the angel said to me, Why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they see the beast that was and is not and yet is, here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition. Ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. These are of one mind that will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the lamb and the lamb will overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. Then he said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled, yes. And the woman who you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. A lot of this for us is recap, because if you remember a few weeks ago, we were moving back and forth between, I think it was chapter 13 or 14, and going to 17, and then going into Daniel, and in different places to study that particular chapter. So there's a lot of recap in this that this particular woman, the harlot, represents a religious system that is present during the tribulation period. And the reason why we said that is that many times the Bible describes God's people as a female. So the bride of Christ, for example. When Israel was unfaithful, he would say that she was a harlot or that she was a prostitute. So we believe that this woman is a, 
symbolic for a religious system. We do know that there is a religious system during uh, the tribulation. Uh, that there is a false prophet, which tells us there is a religious uh, system that goes along with the Antichrist. It is this religious system is the satanic church that is being portrayed here. The false church will have tremendous influence during the end times. And by the end times, I mean now. There are already attributes of the false church present in our day. Church, and we're already seeing this, will attempt to marry all religions of the world and it will commit spiritual harlotry by doing that, by marrying them all together. So notice that this woman sits on the beast, the Antichrist, and, they ride, and this system, this religious system, rides with the Antichrist for a time. When you look at world conquerors or those who attempted to conquer the world like Napoleon, maybe even Hitler more modern day, they did not institute a religious system to go along with their uh, military power. And we kind of alluded to the, the thing that we thought that in order to succeed, that they really should have in, implemented, if they wanted to conquer the world, that there has to be a religious system. Religion is just a part of who we are. Even if you're not a Christian, very, very few people in the world are atheists and don't have any type of religion. So this religion is a very important theme uh, in our lives. So this religious system will take doctrines of holiness, make them unholy, take doctrines of purity and make them impure, mess with Christian principles and themes, but also uh, incorporate other kinds of religions with it, this marrying together. That's why I say it's here today. We are, last week we talked about in the 1940s, there was already a society that was looking into uh, marrying all these different religions. Kay alluded to the fact that one of the popes recently was talking about Catholicism and Islam maybe somehow being able to go along with one another. And so you, you see this already happening uh, in our day. So that's why I said it's here today. Uh, this religious system will essentially say that we no longer have to be a clean or holy people. When I say we, we're gone as a church. We've been raptured, but this is a deception to the world that is like. And it'll say you don't have to be clean and religious or holy people. How many ever heard of living like the devil Monday through Saturday and then coming to church on Sunday? <laughs> I am thankful that God does forgive, but I don't believe we're supposed to live lives like that. And we're supposed to live lives that are holy unto the Lord. And we don't sin because in order to make grace abound more like the Bible talks about, right? So we are to live holy lives. This religious system... It's already present in the world right now and it will continue to grow throughout the tribulation period. We know that this false prophet and we believe that this harlot that sits upon the beast is a religious system of that particular day. So look at verse 6. It says, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus 
And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. So this particular religious system, it's something that is amazing. Something that is strange is what way we can even read this. Uh, perhaps an incorporation of several different types of religions. I just wrote some strange things down. You might see a Buddhist witch. You might see a Catholic warlock. I, I don't know what you'll see, but it'll be a mixture. But during that day, well, there, there could be a mixture of all kinds of religions uh, mixed together. But we do know this, that it will be unholy. Uh, so this religious system is going to be res responsible for the blood of saints. What saints? End time saints that are here on the earth. The church has been raptured, but we do know that God is still dealing with the Jews. Maybe some Gentiles will be saved as well. And I say maybe because we don't know, but we do know that God is dealing through all of the Jewish people and, and those 144,000. Uh, this particular religious system will be responsible for the blood of the saints and the beast that and the religious system will ride together in some way. And this beast that this harlot sits on is much like what you see in chapter 13. So we believe it to be the same thing. Those 10 horns, which may be, I'm not saying it is, may be a form of the revised Roman Empire. Uh, it could be something like what we see in the uh, European Union. It will be a form of countries coming together. Uh, that's why I'm using the EU, which is the European Union, as an example. Uh, and that is Europe, which is a lot of those countries are the revised Roman Empire. When you look around right now, there is nothing to prevent the coming of Christ. Everything has already been set in motion. That's good news for us, but it also should encourage us and light a fire under us to be out witnessing to people and encouraging people to come to the Lord. And that's why we're studying this. We're studying this that we might be more effective and better witnesses, but also that we might learn about Jesus Christ. Remember, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So look at verse eight. Verse eight, if you haven't read any of Revelation prior to this would be very confusing. Verse eight says this, the beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend. So here's this beast that was, is not, yet, later it says, yet is, again. What are we looking at? This could be very hard to explain if you don't look at chapter 12 uh, along with it, which chapter 12 talks about this beast that was, is not, and shall descend to the bottomless pit. What could this be? Let me make a suggestion that what this is is very likely the Antichrist who suffers a mortal wound, either appears to be dead or is dead, is either raised to life or he was never really dead and it's some kind of false deception, but he was, 
is not and then is. So when he is, and also the question that Bill asked, how could this, the eighth be a part of the seventh? Because it's really the same person because they've died and resurrected. But we've talked about this throughout the book of Revelation that this, that Satan always does things that imitate or looks like something that God would have done. So certainly he would have some kind of resurrection. Isn't that a central theme? That's what we're going to be talking about in a few weeks at Easter, right? Uh, so the resurrection of Christ is the central theme of Christianity. And here you'll see possibly the Antichrist that will be, be killed and raised to life somehow. So that's what we believe to, to happen. And there are other some scriptures that I'm not going to get into tonight that will kind of back that up. Satan is not the Antichrist. What, what I believe the Antichrist will be will be a possessed individual. Possessed world leader. Possessed by the demon or by Satan himself. So let's look at this mystery Babylon, which we talked about last week. And we talked about some of the kingdoms that were involved in Babylon throughout the history of Babylon. So if you go back to the vision, how many remember the vision of the Roman soldier? You have the head of gold, all the different metals. And when you get down to the feet, they are iron and clay mixed, right? I mean, remember that, that particular figure. So if you go back to the vision of that, uh, with its different parts, then uh, you begin to see the kingdoms of Babylon. You, you have the empire of Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. You have the empire of the Medes, the empire of the Persians, the empire of Greece. And finally, you have the empire of the Romans. And as you look at those, those political heads changed throughout the centuries. They didn't stay. It wasn't the same person. Even when you went from kingdom to kingdom, there was a certain religious order, if you will, a certain degree of a religious system that was present in all of those. And it continued down through those kingdoms, and it really never died out. So you're going to see a revision, if you will, in the last days of this kind of Babylonian type of, of evil religious system. How many remember the tower, reading about the Tower of Babel? And, and if you study this, it wasn't just that the people got together and decided we can do something great. Although there is that aspect of it, and as people work together, and there's unity and there's power in that, you can do great things together. But what was happening at the Tower of Babel, so I'm, I'm taking this all the way back to Genesis, right? To tell you that this rebellious religious system has been present in the world, not just in our day, but from the very beginning. Because those people said, we're going to build a tower all the way up to heaven. What, what are they saying in doing that? We don't need God. What did Satan tell Eve? The moment that you eat of the fruit, you'll be just like God. And so, this religious system has been present in the world and it will just become more and more prevalent throughout the end times and more and more evil uh, as we see it 
uh, blowing into its full state during the tribulation. And it'll, of course, all of this is a mockery of Christianity. It's, it'll be nothing like what true Christianity ought to be like. So look at verse 9. Verse 9 tells us, Here is the mind which has wisdom. God gives wisdom. The Holy Spirit teaches us all things. God is always about giving us wisdom. And in our wisdom, we can understand that these seven mountains, which are mentioned here, might be those seven empires that I just talked about. Babylon, Medes, Persians, Roman Empire, all of those things. It's possible that it could be there. So during this time frame, you have Babylon and Assyria and Egypt and Greece, the Persians, and lastly, Rome, uh, in this, which is all a part of, uh, in the last days, the revised Roman Empire. Verse 10. Verse 10 is interesting in that it talks, it's really a historic view in that it mentions kings or kingdoms. Verse 10 says, these are also seven kings. Five have fallen. We talked about this a few, several weeks ago. Five have fallen. One is, and the other has yet to come. So when you begin to look at the history of Christianity, which I took a class in this, you'll see that uh, even mentioned in the book of Acts are various Roman Caesars who persecuted the Jews and who persecuted Christianity. Uh, in particular, the very first one, how many re remember reading the word, the name Nero in the book of Acts? Mm -hmm. So he was one of the first to persecute Christians. And there were five Caesars during this beginning of Christianity who persecuted Christians. The last one alive during the time that John wrote the book of Revelation, and his name was Domitian. Domitian was one of the last to persecute Christianity. But then there's going to be a seventh, and that seventh is what we believe that's going to be the Antichrist. This, this, that's going to persecute those who become Christians during these in times, those Jews who become Christians, who are, uh, there is a word for Jews who are Christians. What, anybody know what it, what it is? Messianic, Messianic Jews, yes. Messianic Jews, because they now believe that Jesus was their Messiah and that they missed it. The seventh will be the Antichrist. Uh, and it says that he will continue a short space. What could that short space be? It could be, well, it could be not only that, those last three and a half years, but also that he's killed, and that's a short time as well, right? And then resurrected, or however that, whether it's through deception that, that Satan is able to do that, or however it is. Verse 11, the seventh king dies, and when he comes back, he's actually the eighth king. I don't know if I helped you, Bill, or not, but I, I think that's possible uh, that that's what that is. There's, when we begin studying Revelation, we said there are going to be some things that we're going to take our best educated thoughts and try to understand. So look at verses 12 through 14 together. 
Ten horns equals ten kings. That's also a description of the beast system which have not received their kingdom yet. So the beast and the Antichrist will not be revealed until what? Until the church has been raptured. Until the Antichrist is in place, you're not going to see these ten kingdoms come into place or into power in a particular out front kind of way. It's going to be after that the church has been raised, after the church has been raptured, that you'll see this. So the final stage of the world empire will have a nucleus of ten kings that will come together, but they're going to give all their power and all their strength to the beast. That's according to verse 13. I was curious this week while I was looking at all the system and the religious system and the political system that uh, will be incorporated into the end times. And I began to look at, just literally, just to Google the EU, the European Union. Found some interesting things. Did you know that right now there are 27 countries in the EU? 27 countries. And right now, most of them, two-thirds of those, you can travel on one visa system. You don't have to have a passport. You can travel from one country to, to another uh, without a passport. And it literally says this about the European Union, which I think fits right into what, where, we're, where we're at. Even though it may not be the, the EU, but it'll be a system that will be similar in a way, is that it says it is an economic and a political union of countries. As you see that this antichrist system is not just a monetary system and it is not just a political system, it is both of those rolled into one type of system. And it operates on a single market, and that's how I like the mark of the beast, a single market which allows free movement of goods, capital, services, and people between all the states that are incorporated into the European Union. Whether or not it is the actual EU that will be a part of that beast system, we don't know. But what we do know is it will be a system that is kind of similar to that. Every country, the whole world will have to either starve to death or take the mark. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Antichrist political system, those ten kings that come along inside him and give him the power that he needs. I see, I see what you're uh, saying. Those are different than just the whole But the whole world, world will be under one government. Oh, absolutely. One okay, that's what Yeah, I, mean. I mean, we're seeing you know, one world government, one world economy, all those terms that uh, were confusing decades ago. Now, very, we see that it's very likely possible for that to happen. Because Europe was so torn after both world wars and their systems were kind of shot, both from an economic standpoint and trade and all of that, that system came about not just as an economic system, but as a political system to yeah. keep wars and all this from happening between countries because if you're sharing the same currency, you don't want to go to war with somebody else. 
So as we look at all of this, it's interesting. And, and again, this is not to make us fear. It's to keep us on our toes to see. I'm amazed. I taught this five years ago. I'm amazed what has happened since then. How much closer it appears we are. And how some of the systems are even more in place. Uh, that all of this could could happen you know, in a blink of an eye after the church has been raptured. It'll be, there'll be a collision, all right? Uh, when the church exits, it's going to be a mess because we are the salt, which is a preserving effect. And the light. And we are the light, which is, you know, the, we're the only, we're the, uh, we are filled with God's spirit. We are, a source to the world of God's power and God's strength and God's love and light. And so uh, it's important for us to understand this. All of this is setting up the stage for end times. And it tells us that they will make war with the lamb and that the lamb will overcome them. Now you don't think about a lamb being a creature of war, but this is talking about the lamb of God, mm -hmm. right? And the book of Revelation as we talked about, helps us understand more and more about Jesus. It reveals things about Jesus. And here it identifies Jesus as the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And he has the power to overcome whatever evil may come against him. And so he is mighty, powerful, uh, able to defeat the enemy. I love this. As a matter of fact, I love it so much that one time I preached a sermon on this. It's been a long time ago. And I went back and I, I, I remember that and I looked at that sermon. But those who are with the Lamb are three things. What three things are those who are with the Lamb? Called? So what does it mean to be called? You're invited. You, you're called, you're invited, but also there is a requirement upon you God has placed a demand upon his people, each one of us. God's called us. Now, we might not all stand here behind this and teach, but God's called us all in some form or fashion to do something to benefit the kingdom of God. So we're all called. We're chosen. I love the scripture that tells us that we are a royal priesthood, a, a holy nation, that we're chosen of, of God. Uh, peculiar people. I like to laugh and say some are more peculiar than others. Uh, but we are chosen people, right? We're chosen. They are called chosen and faithful. I think that's key. We're faithful. Faithful to the Lord. And I think that's also one of the biggest things that we lack in our day and time is people who are faithful who are called, who are chosen, and who really are carrying out what God has called them to do. We gotta be faithful, not fly by night, not sporadic, not here and there. We are to be called, chosen, and faithful people uh, to the Lord. I, if I had to choose a characteristic for a church member, Faithfulness would be right at the top. Because if you're faithful, you might not be the most talented. You might not have the most skill. You might not have the most 
uh, you know, of, of any particular thing. But if you're faithful, guess what? Your pastor and the leaders of the church can depend upon you. And then we know you're going to be here. You're going to take charge of what God's called you to do. And it's going to benefit the kingdom of God. So faithfulness is huge uh, in this. Verse 16. So what happens here is that these 10 kings come along with the beast and they are going to kill the woman. Now, if this is a end time, if the woman represents an end time religious system, why would these 10 kings want to kill this system? Why might they want to get rid of it? But I thought she was fornication, blasphemy. It, it's all of those things that it says It's also evil. But it's not just evil. It's also a religious system. So when we look at this, sometimes people are sold out to their religious system, but not sold out to God. Jesus. And there's a difference. I don't know that I fully understand why they would want to but what I do know is that Satan wants your worship and my worship. And I don't know if this religious system is somehow interfering with that or is just going to be replaced with worship of, of the beast and worship of Satan, or I don't know exactly how that's going to work, but it will no longer live in, that, in the capacity that it's in. So it won't, it won't stay in that same form. I think it'll be purely worship of, like I said, the beast of Satan, those kinds of things, and not just an incorporation of all different kinds of religions. I don't know uh, how that's going to come to pass. Do you think it could be part of self-destruction? I mean, it may be. God putting it back on them, just destroy yourself and I won't have to deal with you. And, you know, we see that happen in the Bible. Absolutely. Where, uh, you know, when people would come against Israel, and God would say, you just stand here and watch. I'm going to make them turn on themselves. You know, so do something which in man's eyes looks foolish. You walk out here and you play your instruments and you worship the Lord. And I'm going to slaughter the enemy. See, that doesn't make sense to us in the natural. But something happens here. And either, like you said, they turn on themselves. Somehow the system uh, is killed. Would it be that you've got a one world leader? One world, if that's what the Bible says. One world. Oh, and that's the Antichrist. He's not going to share his throne with anyone. He will not share his throne. So with he's him. going to kill anything that he can that would take part of his idolatry. And True. that's why she, this, she, that, that situation, that gathering, that group is killed. He ha he wants it all. He wanted all. Of oh, he wanted God's throne in heaven. He, he wanted all of God's throne. So he wants. He has to have it all because there's only going to be one. But, but, but it says it says God put it in their right. mind to so, turn it over to the, to the Satan in the beginning with. Yeah. So God can put it in their mind to destroy, to destroy himself. Yes, yes. Uh, what we do know about that verse is that God's still in control. Verse 17 tells us even when it looks like everything's going crazy, you know, the, the wickedness of people is going to come to a head uh, and God will judge that wickedness. And he may have them turning on themselves, as Bill said. Somehow this all changes. 
One of the prevailing religions in our world, you, not, you would not think of it as a religion, is humanism. How many have heard of humanism? Oh, humanism uh, will tell you that everything that you need is inside of you. That you can grow and that you can uh, become wiser and have more abilities and eventually that you will become like a little God. Doesn't that sound like Genesis? Where Satan tells Eve that you'll be just like God if you'll just do this, right? Humanism, while we look at it as a current term, it's been around a long time. And it's one of the most evil things. We cannot be a God unto ourselves. We need God. Verse 17, we looked at that. All of this is going to come to a head. God's still in control. And in a verse that, in a, that I love in Daniel chapter 11, verse 36, we'll finish with this, which talks about God being in control. And it says, and the king shall do according to his will. That's speaking of the Antichrist. So the king shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every God and shall speak marvelous things about the God, capital G, of gods and shall prosper until the indignation be accomplished for that that is determined shall be done. What's that saying? Antichrist is going to do what he's going to do. God's going to allow it. God's going to let it come to a certain point and then... What God has determined is going to come to pass. He's going to put Satan to shame and he's going to destroy his works. See, that could be part of it too, though, that you know, those kings that put him in charge now look at him like they looked at God. Well, we don't want somebody up there telling us what to do anymore. Right. And so there again they yeah. they war well, against each other now. Man, mankind rebels against those who are over them. Right. Even good kings, good, Even good rulers, kings. mankind has a tendency uh, to rebel and to change. We don't want that leader. We want this leader. Or I want to be my own leader. I want to, you know, that's just what happens. I don't want anybody having authority. You know, Brian, the Bible says get the, the telephone pole, the log out of your eye before you get the splinter out of someone else's. And I wonder yeah. and pray for, I prayed for America, and I know we all have so many years, how it hurts, just breaks my heart. All, and all of that is fulfillment. Not what God wanted, but fulfillment of what God said would happen. But God, we all were a nation that. founded on, on sure. God, and we've fallen. There's we always have. hope for a nation, though. Amen. We have brought about our own destruction. What was an ordaining sin? You can ordain sin. It's, and it's been said historically, and I believe it to be true, that many times we are our own worst enemy. Mankind is to himself. And so when left to yourself, uh, you'll spiral down a path of sin. Uh, but when you follow after God, then he'll change that path.